Uh, let's bring in Chris Robinson, the Managing Director of TJM Institutional Services. He's joining us this morning to talk financial markets. Chris, welcome. Uh, happy right. Monday. I just want to further the discussion we were just having a minute ago in terms of the busy week ahead as far as central bank activity. I think a great place to begin that is the disparity we're seeing between the yen and the U.S. dollar. Dollar still holding below that 105 high that we recently saw, but the yen holding these lows. Basically, no rejection of these levels as of yet here. The trend of the upside here, very well defined in both of these products. Yeah, and I think that's key. I mean, a lot of people thought that maybe the dollar had come too far too fast. We had a, almost a 3% correction, right? And a lot of people are like, well, that's it. Triple top, here we go. Um, I, I watched that level, 105. I don't care. You want to call it a 19 and a half year high, 20 year high. Whatever makes you feel good, um, but it's you know obviously if we take out 105, that's going to be the new headline, and that is going to be probably the driver. And we've seen this when the when the stock market corrects, you know people run to the dollar. So um, that's a trade, and it's going to affect every other uh, commodity. It's also going to affect the uh, the spreads in the the yen, the Swissy, and the British pound. You're going to see that. And you were talking earlier. Um, well, Tom, that, you know, I think that, you know, we'll see if the rest of Europe follows suit and starts hiking rates or not. This, that's really what's driving this. I think this jump now, we've gone from, you know, 50% to now it's 75%. I saw somebody saying, you know, they should just do a point. Um, Get you know, take a look way. at the, yeah. yeah. If you look at the two-year, the five-year, and the 10-year, they're both at 3.2 right now. And it's happened really in three months. We haven't had a move like that in the, in the, um, yield curve, you know, in 15 years. So uh, this is a uh, an unfolding thing. You know, it's the middle of summer. Typically, this is when we start slowing down. Um, it's kind of a, a setup for kind of a, a not really a perfect storm, but um, usually in the summer, you get a drop off of liquidity, a drop off in people that want to trade. But it's setting up for, you know, June, July, August could really have some volatile moves um, if the Fed continues down this path. And the key, I think, to watch is what happens with unemployment. If unemployment stays low, it still gives them cover to go ahead and, and hike rates. So it's it's gonna it's gonna set off a lot, a lot of dominoes. And uh, if you can, uh, you know, outguess the Fed, uh, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity to make dough. Interesting to hear we're kind of back in a situation where jobless claims on a weekly basis might be one of the more closely watched uh, data points uh, of the month here. Uh, having seen some of the inflation data already, I guess, is the best way to put that. But I wanted to dive into the yen here real quick, because while it has been a well-defined trend environment to the downside, everybody was talking about not only the dollar being long in the tooth in terms of its trend over-participated in, a perfect example of how well we've seen market crash here, Chris, uh, over our uh, periods of uh, watching price activity in oversold conditions. So, And I think you bring up a good point in terms of the U.S. dollar and some of the strength that we've been seeing there, oftentimes tied to weakness in stocks and stock index futures products. And here I just wanted to show the futures on the left and I've got the index on the right. So those of our viewers who don't have yes. uh, access to the forward slash DX, just pull up the dollar sign DXY. You'll get a look at the index. You can see both track each other almost tick for tick here or four tick for tick. Um, and, and then again here, just in terms of, you know, at some point the BOJ is gonna have to step up and do something here, Chris, to defend this uh, uh, weakness. Well, from your lips to God's ears, right? And if you let me know when that happens, then uh, okay. you know, we can. You know, we so can. They, they, they've been running, you know, negative interest rates forever. And, you know, it's interesting watching this, the, I call it the collapse of MMT. You know, it's the market is saying, guess what, guys? MMT, not such a good idea. 
and you're seeing it unfold right now. I don't care how many PhDs you have or Nobel laureates you have. You got to remember, I always look at long-term capital management. That's the smartest people on the planet. Yeah. And they, you know, they blew up the bond market. So just because somebody thinks that, you know, this is a good idea, at the end of the day, the market is what's telling you what it thinks. And this is what the market thinks of uh, printing money for 14 years. Well, things do get over leveraged, to say the least here. Now, we can move away from the, uh, uh, in terms of what's playing out there as far as the BOJ. And I think it's difficult for many to understand. But uh, you did mention the one point rate hike, the potential for kind of ripping off the band aid, but it doesn't seem like that's any near a possibility. Or as 75 basis point rate hike, it does kind of feel more like the Fed wants to at least stick with some of the transparency they provided, the trajectory, but possibly maybe we'll hear a hint of something a little bit more severe to come if we continue along these lines as far as uh, inflation at these rates. I'd watch for this. You know, I, I was standing in the Dow pit years ago when they did uh, surprise rate cuts. Yeah, I remember <laughs> those. Yeah. And, uh, you irrational know, in the middle of the day. Yeah, exa- irrational yeah, exuberance the, was the, the best. Right. Yeah. In the middle of the day. And if you were short, you know, a 10 lot in the, in the Dow or 20 lot in the S&P, you just, you had no, there was nowhere to go. It was basically you were, you know, there was no way out. So we haven't seen that type of action from the Fed. That would be really aggressive, right? Yeah. What if they did it in the middle of the day? Yeah. Instead of talking about it, talking about it. We've never seen that. And I, I don't know if history is going to repeat or it rhymes, but that would, to me, would be. You know, as you say that, Chris, it makes me think about, in some ways, one of the things that we used to get as a result from that was basically the immediate reaction to, and then the market would kind of just settle off. But now we have an environment where we kind of lead up to, lead up to, and all this sort of uh, anticipation of this event, and then it never really kind of diminishes or dissipates at the same rapid rate that it used to in the past. It'd be a quick hit, and then all of a sudden it would diminish. But then, again, as you say that, it reminds me of the days you never even really wanted to go on break because you have what you might might miss. Yeah, exactly. You know, the t- two times of the day when they closed London and then, uh, you know, right when the two o'clock bond closed, right? And and I, I remember that. That was, I think it happened at like lunchtime and there was like, you know, nobody was in the pit. I mean, so we haven't seen that again. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but boy, it would be interesting if they did. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I have no idea what, what Chairman Powell is going to do. Um, I did think a long, long time ago that no matter how this ended, um, all the politicians, both sides, are going to blame the Fed. So mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't want uh, the Fed chair's job for all the right for you know for any amount of money. It's no matter what he does, it's going to be criticized. And when we've got 8.6 percent inflation, people talk about 9 percent inflation. Um, you know they've got a problem and they have to fix it. Speaking of criticized, um, there's going to be many criticized that uh, went along with that bull trend we saw to the upside in terms of fear of missing out, whatever you want to call it, as far as Bitcoin, the run up to 69,000 and where we are this morning as we sit here, 24,000, Chris. I mean, this is obviously a concern for many this morning as they wake up and look at this as they hold. Uh, And these were concerns that we heard Fred Chair uh, um, Janet Yellen, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen raise. I mean, ultimately, uh, this was a possibility as well. And further downside remains a possibility also. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people got into to crypto for whatever reasons. They thought it was going to be an inflation hedge. Obviously, it's it's not. And also, too, that 30,000 level was huge. We talked about that last week, how these markets like round numbers. And it's turning out to me, whatever crypto is, it's trading just like any other commodity. It might as well be, you know, rice or sugar or corn. I mean, it's hitting these technical levels and then getting pounded. 
Uh, you don't have to be a math major to start at 3,000 and go to what was the high 695, mm -hmm. and you know, play a halfway back trade. You know, so this this 25 level is very, 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 very important. And I I just think that uh, um, I don't know how involved you know the the Fed's really going to really care about. They're probably secretly happy to see this happening with crypto because. It takes away a lot of pressure from them to have to regulate it. I mean, it's, if this is, you know, True. something that we're going to have to work through. But I, I think if you're trading crypto, you've got to treat it like any other risk asset. And I don't care if you're a bull or a bear, you've got to have an exit plan. Because if you get stubborn, you get hammered. And I've, you've seen it all across the board and all the commodities. I don't care if you're trading wheat. This past year, year and a half, we've had bigger swings in commodities than we've ever had in about 15 years. So it's a new experience for everybody. And it's a it's a wake up call for even guys that are my age to, to remember how, you know, how volatile markets can be. And if you don't have an exit plan for when you're wrong, uh, you're gonna feel some pain. Yeah, I would argue uh, a past tense in terms of that sentence. If you didn't have, uh, don't not so much that you, you should have had because we've seen quite the declines here again from 69,000 down to well 23,000 in the overnight session yeah. and uh, uh, 69,355 to be exact the all-time high there Chris any other markets that we missed here that you have your eye on in terms of uh, we've seen the rate spike here it was led by the short end a couple weeks ago the two the five started the trajectory back to the upside here and now it seems like the long end even, even starting to participate well, I think that that's, I mean, I looked at that this morning. I was kind of surprised. The two-year, five-year, and the 10-year are both at 3.2. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be something to watch for the, for, the, for the remainder, I think, of the summer, really. Uh, the other thing to watch, I think, is if you're trading commodities, not to get too, too deep in the woods, but uh, we've had a, you know, a tremendous rally, and now we're heading into the time of the year where we've got weather risk. So if you're trading corn, wheat, and beans, uh, this is a time to be very, very careful. And also, just in general, we're, we've all, you know, Econ 101, Freshman Econ 101, commodities don't like a uh, higher dollar. So that could be the tipping point here for commodities. And we've been on a tremendous two-year rally. We've gone from, you know, 10, 12, in some cases, 20-year lows in a lot of commodities to we're at 10, 12-year highs. Um, and I don't think that that's going to go away. I think there's going to be a lot of volatility. And for, for your, you know, for the your viewing audience, you want movement, right? Yeah. Movement True. equals opportunity. You just have to be very, very disciplined. And um, and I'll leave you the last thing too. The first thing that I learned the third or fourth week on the floor, you know, trade small, have a ball. When we get really volatile like this, cut your trade size back. Uh, it lets you sit through bigger moves. Chris, I think that's a great note to end on there. It's really sound advice here. As a trader, I've always done better when I've sized down, especially under yes. conditions such as this. Uh, there's no reason to try and be a superhero under uh, volatile times like this. If anything, uh, sit back and just be a student of price. But if you are going to participate, do it on a very small scale, something that you can stomach. Chris Robinson, great to have you with us here to start the week on the TD Ameritrade Network. Chris is the Managing Director at TJAM Institutional Services.